Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad you've joined us. I'm your host, Jonathan Darty. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. In today's episode, we talk about beliefs and how they affect the way you live and interact with others. We especially focus on beliefs about emotions. Do these beliefs move you toward or away from deeper connection with others? To help you understand the lens through which some see the world, we will highlight several comments from different men's lives. Listen in to gain insights into yourself about what you believe and the effect this has on how well you connect with family, friends, and neighbors. For additional resources, visit BeBroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, let's dive into today's conversation. Well, hey there, Stephen. How are you doing today? I am blessed and glad to be here. Awesome. Well, I just want to pass it off to you. So we're going to talk about um, emotional beliefs and if they lead us to connecting or disconnecting. So I saw this book on beliefs and I go, oh, good. I want to learn about beliefs. And it was about religion and politics and all the other stuff. I was like, that was a waste of money. But but there's so few books on beliefs and what do you believe in? And after I read the book, I thought, we've got thousands of beliefs about everything, you know? So this is about men and emotions and connecting. Uh, what are your beliefs about what kind of union you want to form with a spouse or, and being close? And, and you know, the, the Bible verse is about oneness. You know, God is all about oneness. He wants us to be one with him, uh, his creation. He wants to be one with the Son and the Holy Spirit and the body and the bride. There's just one everywhere. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one, one, one. And so it, you know, it even applies to our marriage. You know, the two will become one. Right. And so what is the belief that you have that you picked up, that you run, because that will determine your oneness. Yeah. So I, um, I've i been just thinking about that. So let me get your thought. When you hear me talk about beliefs and oneness and union, what comes to mind? Well, I mean, the first thing that actually came to my mind was, well, everybody has a worldview. Yes. So in other words, everybody has a core set of beliefs. Yeah really about every aspect of their lives Yes, that then drives how they engage every aspect of their lives. So one would be like health. What's your belief about how you eat? What's your belief about how you exercise? Yeah. Right? I mean, just go down the list. I mean, there's a thousand things we could talk about, right? Mm -hmm. About uh, how a city should be run. Right, and about politics. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Well, so family me dynamics your, and all that. Yeah, so give me your next view. Any other, any other comment about emotional beliefs and well, connecting? Well, that's just it. So on the one hand, beliefs, right? Yeah. But then when you connect it to emotional beliefs, so take mm-hmm. that. So what I think of is if I take that same kind of worldview idea, in other words, a set of beliefs in terms of how I view the world and how I engage it. Well, now if I more narrowly apply that to my emotions... I think I have a similar thing going on there. Like there's a set of beliefs I have about all of these various emotions, which is going to determine how I respond to them. Like in a previous podcast that we had done Mm. on sadness. Oh, yeah. Well, if I have a belief 
that sadness is weakness and yes. never right to express. That's going to Good. that's going to determine how I respond to that's feelings right. of sadness. Yes. So I've just been, you know, I'm a therapist, so I get to listen to people tell their story. And it's so interesting because because when you when people talk, they always talk from the bent that they have, their view or their bent or worldview that they have. And so I'm always listening to God. How does he view himself? And how does he view his wife? And how does he view marriage? And how does he view life and God? Well, so, so these are about relationships and connecting and the whole goal being one, right? If you think about it, two shall become one. So I have some male comments here I want to read. Male comment number one, I don't want to stick my neck out because I don't want to say anything wrong because I hate to embarrass myself. The more I talk, the more I open myself up. I can make mistakes, and I don't look, <coughs> like to look bad. So, look, if I'm just quiet, I realize being quiet is the safest thing I can do. Sure, people have said to me I'm the strong, silent type, but really I'm just being quiet and staying safe. Well, is it okay if I say I can identify with male number one? <laughs> I'm that's typically good. not the person in, you know, in a crowd that's going to pipe up or, you know, because I'm with that. I hate embarrassing myself. I do too. So that, that's, that's the driving part. If I open up and say things and I'm different than you, then you might point that out mm -hmm. or... You might laugh at me. Or La you might, yeah. You might say, what an idiot, you know. Or but you know what's so interesting is we're all trying to figure out how to live life. And nobody knows how to do it. But some people think they can laugh at other people. Right. Like, <coughs> look, we're all trying to figure it out. And uh, nobody knows. That's, my basic premise is we're faking it. Because I've never been this age before. And I've never been in this situation. I'm doing the best I can today. You know. Well, I've seen this first person just, uh, again, that aversion to risk, right? Yes. I don't want to do something outside of what I feel comfortable and confident in being able to do. Yes. And so that's the driving force of staying silent, staying quiet. That's good. <clears throat> so mail number two, my wife, my wife talks easily and a lot. I just can't figure out what she wants me to say. And if she just told me what she wants then I would just say it. I could say what she wanted to hear. How am I supposed to know what she wants? So since I don't know what she wants, I don't say much. Well, it's funny because I see some overlap with this and the first guy. Okay. Because <clears throat> there's a risk here, right? Yes. Um, on the one hand, it's like I, I'd like to know maybe what my wife wants me to, to say, but there's a risk in asking. There's a risk in... Um, being curious about her and being curious about what she wants to hear from me or what she wants to know. Um, but let me tell you where this this guy, I, I, I got this call one day and I was talking to this guy and his wife had said, you better go in there and talk to somebody. We were just having a phone call. 
And he was, he kept saying, well, what do you want me to say? I said, what's going on? He goes, well, what do you want me to say? I said, no, what kind of problem? What, mm. what do you need? What do you need? I mean, I, this guy was so far inside himself hiding that he wanted to tell me what I wanted to hear. That was it. He just wanted, so I would leave him alone. And he was so frustrated because I kept asking him questions. He goes, what do you want of me? What do you want? I'm trying to give you what you want. Well, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking this is a person that has just ignored. They're not self-aware. Yes. They're, there's not any kind of um, self-knowing going on there. Because obviously whatever is inside of him has been so deeply buried. Yes, exactly. That, and it's all but driven by fear. Yeah. So he's afraid, right? He's afraid to come out. He's afraid to, he's, if I can give you what you want. And see, think about a wife being married to this guy. He wants to tell her what she wants to hear. Mm. That's all he wants to tell her. I want to tell you what you want to hear so you can be happy. So what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? Tell me what you want so I can say it so you can be happy. And the frustrating thing with that on both sides is that there's no intimacy. There's no knowing of one another. No, that's right. It's all it's all weighted to one side. In other words, it's like, okay, his wife talks a lot. So you know what? He probably has a lot of knowledge about her. Because if she's talking, she's telling something about right. who she is. That's right. And so, but there's but it's all lopsided on to her because all he's saying is, Well, you just tell me what you want to hear. So he's not he's Versus not, he's not investing himself. There's not yeah. a dialogue going on. No, so right, exactly. So, so how difficult, the point of these conversations are, how difficult is it going to be to have a relationship with a guy that has this belief system? I'll give everybody what they want. I'll make them happy. And they'll, maybe they'll keep me around. Yeah. Well, he's, I think what tends to happen here is eventually people just get so frustrated, they throw their hands up with this kind of a person. Because yeah. they're like, you're, you're, uh, uh, you're not living as a person. Because you're not, there's no self-disclosure. Right. There, you know, it's kind of like you're, I don't know, just going through the motions. There's... But we can't find you. Right. Right. Yeah, Where exactly. are you? I want to know you. And it takes two to have a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And so let's go back to the first guy who didn't want to stick his neck out and say much because he might embarrass himself. <clears throat> and he's the strong, silent type. How good is he in a relationship? Well, not, not very good. A similar kind of thing. It's like there's talking is absolutely necessary yes. to building a relationship. That's right. To learning and to growing, right? So, so if you're afraid to talk, because it doesn't matter if you go to work and you tell the boss everything the boss wants to hear and they don't know you emotionally. That doesn't matter. Do your job. Tell them what they want to hear and go home, right? Or be the silent employee that doesn't say much. Okay, that's fine. But this doesn't work. These beliefs don't work well in marriage. They don't work well for oneness and union. Right. Right. Okay. So guy number three is I'm quiet. I've always been quiet. Growing up, no one wanted to hear what I had to say. I think being quiet is very kind. Why don't you look at it this way? I let my wife do all the talking. She gets all the talking space between the two of us. She gets her half and my half. Yes, I'm present and 
I listen most of the time. I end up trying to say something, but I let her talk a lot more because I just don't like to say much. Isn't that kind? She could have my talk time and her own talk time. So the you know the difference between this guy and the first guy is the first guy is the because both of these are saying they're quiet, right? Yeah. But the first guy is saying the belief system is I'm I'm afraid of taking a risk. This guy is saying, well, being quiet is a a, a nicety. It's a politeness. It's a it's being kind. In other words, I'm not I'm not being obtrusive or I'm not interrupting or I'm not you know. He could right. probably he could probably even also fool himself into saying, "Listen, I'm being quiet because I don't want to make it about me." Yeah, <laughs> yes, right? that's good. That's right. But you know what's interesting about this this belief is, growing up, no one wanted to hear what I had to say. Mm. Well, if you don't practice talking as a kid and going back and forth and listening and expressing ideas, how good of an adult are you? Yeah. So what, what's supposed to happen is the parents are supposed to pursue the children, draw them out, give them language about, like we talked about earlier, sadness or fear or being alone or being rejected. We're supposed to talk about all those things to our children so our children know. They can talk about those things too. Right. And they can learn about when you feel rejected, what do you do? When you're sad, when you have disappointment, what do you do, dad? What do you do? Mom, what do you do? Teach me something. But if no one wants to hear you and have an exchange with you, then you come up with this idea. I'll give you my talk time and you can have your talk time and you can say everything you want and nobody wants to hear me. And what a nice guy I am. What a nice guy. But can you imagine the the wife of this guy who's going, why aren't you here? In some ways, I think this might be more frustrating to be in a relationship or try to be in a relationship than the other one because uh, the other one at least there may be some some spark or there may be some kind of you know uh, flare up <laughs> with this guy it's just like I'm how many ways can I try to poke you yeah. to get you to say something to you know now that's a beautiful statement a wife will be quiet she'll do silent treatment then she'll do screaming for a while. She might say, I don't feel sexual for a while because you don't want to talk to me. Why do I want to let you crawl all over me, right? She will try every little thing to get the guy out. Mm -hmm. But if this guy doesn't think it's safe and nobody wants to hear his voice and he hasn't practiced And that he actually thinks it's nice, that he's being being courteous or kind. Yeah, that's a great frame on it too because if he's doing a nice thing, what's wrong with that? Right. He doesn't appreciate how nice I'm being. And it can make the person, it can make his wife th- start to think she's crazy. Yeah. Because it's like, why am I so frustrated with this nice guy? <laughs> you know? And other it people doesn't. might see it that way too. Well, they, and they you know, like, this very guy will talk in public or something. He'll And he'll look social. And a wife will say, why don't you do that with me? Mm. Well, I have to go out there and talk enough so that people think I'm normal. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I like to talk or we talk deep or anything. So mail number four, there's a rule I live by. I don't put my nose into other people's business. Here's my rule. I will never ask you any questions. And I don't expect you to ask me questions. You tell me what you want me to know. I'll listen. And I'll talk when I have something to say. I never want to appear nosy. Or like I'm prying into your life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so think about this. Think about if you're with a person that never asks you any questions, right? You get to volunteer what you want, but they never ask you a question about it. Is that odd? That is odd. I think it's odd because, and and I think it's somebody that, uh, to be quite honest with you, I would struggle to be around. Yeah. Because I'm like, why are we here? Yeah. You know, if you have no curiosity whatsoever about my life and I'm the only one asking you questions or whatever, it's like, well, that's, it's lopsided again. The other thing about this too is I think here is a person that it's almost like their belief system is conversation is a utility. Oh, okay. In other words, it has to be a means to some kind of end. There has to be a specific utilitarian purpose to why we would actually be talking. Yeah. And so it's almost like, Stephen, listen, talking to you is merely functional. If it doesn't produce some kind of tangible effect or something, I don't have anything to say to you. So this is not, the belief system here, I think, is saying talking is not about knowing a person on a deep level. That's right. Yeah. I don't need to know you deeply. Right. Right. That's implied. Because if I ask you any question, you'll think I'm being nosy. And I want to stay on my side of the line, and I never want to appear to be nosy or poking into your business. So anything you send over to me, I'll listen to. And then I'll send a little volley over to you periodically. And that's how a relationship goes. Mm-hmm. But, but what's wrong with that is like, it, you, when we were off air a minute ago, you asked me, how are things going with your family? Well, you remembered I told you a story, then you asked about the story, and then I get to tell you new information, mm-hmm. right? And so the dialogue deepens the more we go back and forth. But, but if you say something and I, you know, you have a friend that's sick and I ever asked, how's your sick friend? Or, or you lost your favorite, well, you left your wallet. And I was, hey, what happened to your wallet? I never yeah. ask you. You just tell me, tell me, tell me. And I never ask you anything. It's just weird. It is weird. And, and it's it's uh it's it's almost kind of cold because it's uh, I don't know you can't I, I always feel like you know the way God designed us to have relationship with one another not not just in our marriages but just as human beings is it's meant to keep growing yes like there's not a um, I think sometimes maybe a person like this is saying there's a there's a there's a limit. To what can be known and so therefore hey let's not get ahead of ourselves here i don't want to be nosy i don't want to get into your business to right. where because there's only so much i can know about you anyway <laughs> and you know, it's not seeing the dynamic aspect of the ongoing growth that can happen yes. in a relationship and it's this whole idea of don't ask me and i won't ask you there's some rule here i live by it says yeah that i don't ask you questions about your life well if you care about anybody you ask them questions. Did you get home? Or you left late last <laughs> yeah. night? Did you make it home? I mean, that's a question, right? Yeah. And so you can see that the dilemma with these beliefs is they hinder oneness, mm-hmm. right? Why are we having this talk? Because we're all supposed to be moving to greater oneness. Isn't that love? And then you just tell me a minute ago, what is the greatest commandment? To love one another, mm-hmm. to be concerned compassionate, caring to one another. So mail number five. I used to try to end all conversations really quickly. 
If my wife had a problem, I fixed it. If she was struggling, I had a solution. I hate hearing pain, stress, and struggle. I fix as quickly as I can. Fixing is what I do, and I'm good at it. Ever since I was a child, I tried to help fix family problems. Mom struggled, I tried to do things to ease her pain. If dad was angry, I put things in order to lower his stress. Fixing is what I do. Fixing is who I am. Well, it, I have to at least commend this guy for his honesty, right? <laughs> I hate hearing pain, stress, and struggle. It's like, yeah. well, that's honest. But um, this, I see a lot of, uh, uh, you know, we talk about sometimes the role yes. that people adopt. Yeah, that's... And, man, this is the pleaser or the helper or, you know, yes. this is the person that's saying, I don't want there to be any chaos or any confusion or frustration in, in not only my life, but any life around me. So in that sense, I fix frustration, right? Yeah. So I think the the belief here is, is the idea one that pain, stress, and struggle are inherently problems to be solved. Oh, that's good. And that's not necessarily true. That's wrong, right? They're not, you're not going to fix somebody's pain or make all their struggles go away or, so there's this idea that yeah. this person is saying at the core of my being, I have to make sure nobody's in pain. There's no struggle. There's no stress. Yeah. Which the irony is that only produces pain, struggle, and stress in that person's life. No, say that again. What? So if the, if I say, man, at the core of my being, I got to make sure you don't have any pain, stress, or struggle. Yes. What am I inviting into my life? Pain, stress, and struggle. Because, because all of my efforts to try to solve all your pain, to fix all your struggles, oh. to fix all your struggles. That's only creating pain and stress and struggle in my life. Right, so right. it's sort of a, it's, it's a double-edged sword But here. you can almost hear the child in here. Uh-huh. I help my mom. I help my dad. I help people. You know, I'm a helper. You said that earlier. That's good. I'm a helper. That, And it's funny because it says fixing is who I am. And I thought that's a role statement right there. Right. I have to fix a problem. You have a problem, I have to fix it. If I don't fix it, I'm no good. Mm-hmm. And then I thought fixing is what I do. That's a behavior. It's like, oh, I got to fix. And so so I'm always listening so I can fix. I mean, I don't really care that much about your problem. I'm focused on fixing, fixing. Hey, give me a little piece. I'll fix it. What else you got? I'll fix it. How, how, what kind of relationship does this guy have with a wife Yeah, who's dealing well, with life? And what I see this, too, is it's also creating, and this is, I think, of a, a value that, even as a culture, we have elevated far beyond its appropriate place. And that is, you know, the ultimate goal is happiness. Like everybody's got to be happy. Mm. And so therefore, everything this person is doing in their life is ensuring that everybody is happy. Oh, make everyone happy. Yeah. And again, that's one of those exercises in futility because, you know, happiness is part of life. But so is pain and loss and struggle and challenges. All of those kind of things are yeah. part of it, too. Good. Okay. The last guy is this guy. <clears throat> I use Bible verses for everything. <laughs> Someone feeling down, I offer a verse of encouragement. Someone sick, I quote a verse on healing. Someone tired, there is a verse to lift the spirit. I quote verses to children, teens, and adults. I always have a verse. 
When I hear pain, I quickly find a verse. Recently, I've seen that I'm poor at making relationship connections. People listen to me and are polite, but people really enjoy spending time and talking to my wife, but not me. Uh, <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I've I've known plenty of these guys, and sometimes I have been this guy. <laughs> you know, when you and I were talking off air earlier too, and talking about how as we both get older, some of the things that we held on so tightly to when we were young, as far as you know, yeah. being in ministry and helping other people, we hold much more loosely now. Right. And I'd say this is one of these areas where uh, I've I've tried to grow in because. Okay, from a from just strictly a technical standpoint, can there be an applicable Bible verse to anything you face in life? Sure, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Should it always be quoted every single time yeah. that somebody? So there's a there's a wisdom issue here. There's a timing issue. Yes. There's a there's a way to present that. One of the things that I think about with this guy is I think okay, think about the life of Jesus. He was not only, he not only knew the word, he was the word. Mm. And yet, the way he engaged people, it wasn't mm. like he was carrying around the Torah and like every single situation. Now, th- were there not times where it was like, boom, he brought something out because it, it needed to be specifically dealt with. But so many times, especially in dealing with people who, when he l- lists some of these things, somebody feeling down or sick or tired, Jesus encountered all of those people. And you know what? Rather than bringing a verse, he brought himself. Mm. And sometimes I, I think this is what this guy needs to hear because he has believed. Right. And in some ways, I think he has created a buffer like between him and a relationship with other people. And the buffer is the Bible. So in other words, you can't actually get to me because I've got this big Bible in between us. Yes, yes. And it yeah. sounds super spiritual. It sounds... But the reality is guys are going, I want to go talk to your wife because she brings herself. Yeah. She brings herself to the relationship. He said, they treat me politely. That was a good verse. Thanks. Bye. I got to talk to your wife or mom or somebody that's going to be fully here. Right. Because he's only half here. Right. Spiritually, he's an A. Relationally, he's a D minus. Right. And so, and, and you, can't you hear how his emotional self is somewhere else, but his yeah. spiritual self's always to the front, always well, ready. I would say this. This is one of these guys. And I, and you know what? We, we see, a, I'd say we see a fair number of these guys in our ministry. And we talk about them all the time as, yeah. you know, these are the super spiritual guys. You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm, Oh, right. And they have all the but Bible here's the answers. Thing. You know what? I'm looking to reframe that because I want to call them the super heady guys. Uh, because, see, I think super spiritual yeah. would be a guy who's actually walking in wisdom and humility. Because spiritual, yeah. so they're not necessarily that spiritual. They're, they're real heady. Yeah. In other words, they, they, they live all from the information in their head. Yeah. But then you start trying to dive in and say, how do you feel? Or how do you, you know, what are you, what's going on deep? And it's like, I got a verse for that. <laughs> That's good. So I'll wrap up by saying... Look, making relationship connections is not easy. It's difficult. You got to work on it. Let's see, you gave us a lifetime to work on it. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, but, but looking at your belief system and thinking about how you think, you know, how do you think? How do I approach this thing? 
Some people say, if you were the fly on the wall looking at yourself, or Fallon says, if you were in the balcony watching yourself perform, what would you learn? What could you pick up about your own beliefs? Mm -hmm. So the whole idea is to have an open heart that wants to change and grow, to recognize oneness is really what we're made for. It's, it's the power place to be. We're at the core of the essential. When we learn oneness with God and spouse and others, we're right where we need to be. So you want to check your belief system. We got trained as children. We still run that program in adulthood. And so shifting it might be helpful. And I want to close by leaving you guys, especially with a, a resource that I invite you to bring into your marriage. It was actually written by this guy next to me. Oh, um, It's his 40 Days to Oneness devotional. And the reason I think that would be a great fit for coming out of this uh, podcast is because it really is all about helping men who struggle to connect emotionally with their wife to actually do that well. And so there's 40 days of devotions in there that help you kind of tap into how do I go to the deeper level? And, and it would apply to every single one of these sort of types of men that we've, we've Absolutely. Thank you for reminding me of that. And if you're a wife and you want to do a devotional with your husband, yeah. there's Bible verses and you can say, I want to do this 40 day devotional. Yeah. We might have to appeal to the wives because they'll go buy the book. The guys <laughs> will just be like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> it's true. No, so, I think that's right. It's a great tool for a wife to say, on date night, let's do day one, and, and or Friday night, let's set this time, or let's do this our devotional. You know, there's 40 days, and if it takes you 80 days or 120 days, who cares? Yeah. We're moving. We got a workbook. We got a product. It's to help the guy that doesn't share. He's kind of private inside. Come out. Yeah. Well, we'll put all that information in the show notes. But we've been glad that you've been with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the program. God bless. Take care. Thank you. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.